All right, good evening. How y'all doing? Um, welcome to the first inaugural episode of Chill Time is Will Time. I'm your host, William Moore. Um, some of you who already know me um, may remember me from a joint uh, podcast venture that I was doing before with a colleague of mine. Um, but however, um, we had some creative differences or whatnot, and so um, we've decided to go on our own separate ways. So this is uh so this is me you know going my my own direction um and doing a solo project which I was excited about um wasn't sure kind of like how, what that would look like seeing as how the last podcast was the first podcast I ever did and uh this project here is definitely the first solo project so I was kind of interesting and uh, interested and eager to kind of see um what that would uh what that would look like and how that would kind of the structure and stuff of how that would turn out but um I'm at the same time I'm glad I'm doing it because um I'm able to stay true to me you know not try to be somebody else or not try to be some made up personality or some personality um mimicking you know other groups or anything like that like I always got to stay true to me um, and so, and so, doing this solo project would definitely allow me to do that. So I'm happy about that. But um, as I was saying before, welcome. You know, what I'm saying glad you're joining uh, uh you know, joining me. Um, and hopefully, you guys can uh, join me for many more. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, kind of give you a little background about myself. Uh, I am a public health professional. I am a uh, semi-pro football player. I love both my jobs very much. Um, I love to read, work out. Um, I love art, uh, and I love biking, too. Uh, matter of fact, this coming August, I am entered in a 300-mile bike race uh, from, I think, uh, Grand Portage or something in Wisconsin to uh, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. So 300 miles over four days, so 75 miles a day. That'll be the longest I've ever ridden. So uh, I'm, a, I'm actually pretty excited about that. And it'd be cool, a cool little challenge to say I did. Just like I done, I've uh, completed a marathon before, I will never do that again. Um, but I feel good, and I feel happy to say that I've done it at least once. So, you know, um, that's cool. Um, other things about me that you guys uh, may not know. Or, you know what? Scrap that. You know what I mean? Because over the course, over the life, the, you know what I'm saying, the lifespan or whatever of this podcast, you'll definitely uh, you'll definitely figure some of those things out. And um, hopefully you like it. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, we'll kind of move forth. Um, talk about some... Uh, We'll talk about some quick current events quick and then kind of move into the topic of his first episode, which I call it uh, Redefining the Man. But, um, yeah, before I do that, something I kind of just uh, kind of occurred to me is something that I want to talk a little bit about. Um, and it happens to do deal with the world of politics. Um, as we all know, um, life in America has been crazy in general, but it's definitely been nuts since not this past November, but the November before that, when uh, President Donald Trump was elected. 
I still can't even call him my president, but whatever. You get what I'm saying. Um, there was just a report out before. So there's a – everybody kind of knows who's been keeping up with the news. There's like a trade war about brewing between him and China. All right, he wants to put all these huge tariffs and stuff on, I guess, Chinese steel and maybe some other things. Well, in retaliation, China is actually going to um, put some tariffs on the U.S., um, specifically things that are going to, you know, really affect the agricultural world over here, especially, you know, a lot of these farmers and stuff, especially out in the Midwest. Now, um, you got a lot of these farmers in the Midwest now who are also, you know, they're very afraid now. Um, it's crazy. They are kind of like pleading with uh, Trump to uh, don't get embroiled with this trade war and, you know, how it's going to harm them and hurt them and stuff like that. And I kind of, I'm looking at their situation, and I know why they're worried um, because the, the the farming industry has gone downhill, um, especially for a lot of those independent farmers, those who aren't doing the com- the big commercial factory farming. You know what I mean? Those smaller farmers, whatever they're, I mean, they're falling by the wayside. There aren't even as many farms in select states or counties. You know. There are probably a drastic, you know, there's been a drastic drop in the amount of farmers from year to year, much less five years ago to now. From year to year, it seems like a new farmer is losing kind of his farm, you know, every every, every day, every month. Well, this is really going to hit them. Um, Whether it sounds cruel or not, like I actually have a hard time feeling bad for them because this guy has shown... You And I know people keep saying this time and time again, like Trump has continuously shown people the type of individual that he is. Um, He's not a great businessman. The the fact that people keep calling him a great businessman astounds me because the dude has been bankrupt how many times? Um, He didn't build his own fortune. He was gifted a million dollar loan by his father starting off. But anyways, um, kind of, you know, back on topic. You voted for him because you, you I'm speaking to, to a lot of these farmers, you voted for him because you believe that he was going to help you out. Then he might be something a little bit different. Despite the fact that times change, things change, and that your way of life um, is, is, is hard to keep up in this day and age. I'm not saying it's impossible. What I am saying, though, is maybe you guys should have maybe invested or started to research newer ways of doing what you you do or doing the type of farming that you do so that your farms can still can still be, be can be sustainable and still kind of make it through the times you voted for this man despite all the negative horrible things that he said about anybody else that isn't uh a middle-aged white male in this country. And now he has just put the last nail in your coffin. I need you to think about that for a second. I really, really need you to think about how that probably makes you feel. And now a lot of you are feeling horrible, you feel bad, and you want pity. I'm here to tell you, you're not really going to find much pity, especially from people in the African-American community, the, the Hispanic Community, you know, what I'm saying the Mexican American community, you know, what I'm saying any 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 community um, that has 
that is made up of immigrants or people that just aren't middle-aged white men. He disparaged every other demographic and promised essentially through policies or, or anything else, all types of harm to them. And you guys still thought, you know what? Forget the fact that he doesn't keep his word and forget the fact that he essentially wants to harm everybody else that doesn't look like me. I am going to vote for him anyway. Now you're still losing your property. And there's really not really there's really not many people who feel sorry for you at all. I need you to think about how that makes you look. Cuz essentially the battle that you're fighting trying to keep it from it's the same it's the same battle that um the South fought uh, pre-Civil War. The age of industrialization was coming. Um, granted, it's not industrialization these days, it's globalization. Jobs are being uh, uh, automated and they're being sent to other countries and stuff like that. So either you're being replaced by a robot or somebody who speaks a different language from somewhere else is taking your job because corporations are able to pay them less. Instead of figuring out ways to where you could adopt some of these robots and use them to work on your farms, you decided to vote for somebody who is morally bankrupt. And you're going to face the same, essentially the exact same fate as Southern plantation owners. The world is changing. You can't stop that. You can't stop that. And now you've shown yourselves to be individuals who, I don't know how, you know, your neighbors may look at you. But I got to say, if I walked into or ran into a farmer this day and age who says he voted for Donald Trump or she voted for Donald Trump, um, and you're looking for me to help do something to save your farm, I can't say I'm, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying, you know, Bit ready to bend over backwards to help you out. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me. Because see, what a lot of you people who voted for him, a lot, a lot of you Trump supporters don't realize is, while you're out there disparaging the African-American community and the immigrant community, um, we know how to live through tough times. Black folks been living through tough times for the past 400 some years. Immigrants live through tough times as soon as they get here. You think it's easy for somebody to pick up and come to another country where they have no money, may not know any family, don't speak the language and know the culture? No, these people don't do that because they want to. They do it because they have to. They look for, they're looking for a better life. So we used to the struggle. Now y'all about to get used to the struggle. You really are. You're about to feel the pain just like everybody else. The difference is we know how to make it through, and y'all going to have to learn from us. So, I mean, that's my little spill on that. I'm going to get off that because I, that, that wasn't the whole point of uh, this first episode. Um, but I'm going to move forth um, and um, get on the topic of the new episode, which is the redefinition of a man. Um. Everybody has their own definition of what a man is. Um, 
Some look at him as the big, burly, bearded guy who goes out hunting, the Paul Bunyan type. Some look at him as the protector, um, the provider. Um, some think a real man is a guy who is sensitive, in touch with his feelings. Um, some think a real... people. The point is, everybody has their own definition of what a, what a, what a man is. Um, I'm here to say that men are all that and then some. Um, and I'm not saying that in a way to make it seem like, um, make it sound arrogant, I guess. Because when I, I realized after I said that, I was like, wait a minute, that sounds arrogant. Um, I mean that in a way that, like, we got to learn how to stop pitting labels on people. Because um, what it does is it indirectly conditions our children and it conditions people to believe they got to live up to a certain label or a certain set of characteristics that might not even be who they are. And the type of negative effect that that can have um, is powerful. Um, you can wind up internalizing a lot of that. You can wind up... Um, living a life that is completely unhappy, not being who you are, being depressed, developing some sort of mental health issue over it, outside of depression. Um, You can hold that frustration in and take it out on your loved ones, your significant others. You can internalize it to the fact where you're like emotionless, which has a negative effect on those who, who who you interact on an everyday basis with in your household. All of this is toxic. Um, and the reason this is toxic is because anything that prohibits you from being happy and healthy mentally, emotionally, and physically is has never been good. And to hear what some of these, the, some of the definitions or the, some of the labels that we put on what what a real man is. Um, frankly, I can think it's kind of stupid. Um, I'll make myself, I'll, I'll give you myself for example. I love art. Um, I like to wear loud colors. I wear dress shoes all the time. For the most part, I, especially anybody in my office will tell you that I, I dress pretty nice at all times. Um, I am not the big sweatshirt, baggy jeans, boot-wearing, Jordan-wearing type of cat every day. Although I do have my fresh air, uh, uh, pairs of Jordans around in the house. Um, but that's just, I choose to dress up, I guess. Um, and I don't do it for anybody else. I do it for myself. There are some people who look at that and be like, uh, I've had people question not whether or not I was gay before based off what I wear. Listen, men can wear pink. Men can wear clothes that are fitted. Men could wear floral print. Men can like flowers in general. Men, just like women, can do whatever the hell they want to do. As long as you are not hurting yourself or anybody else and you are growing mentally and emotionally and you are happy 
you should be allowed to do whatever you want to do. And this is why I say that a lot of people's definition of what men is, men are is garbage. Um, I, through my job um, uh, in public health, I help uh, facilitate a group um, the last Monday of every month called Club Dad. Um, no, I am not a father. Funny enough, I actually asked him when they asked me to help facilitate that and be the liaison between the county um, and, a, and a partner entity that we work with as, as well as the community. I was like, um, Club Dad, I was like, a lot of these guys who are going to be attending are going to be fathers. I was like, is that going to be weird that I'm not a father myself? And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, because there's, you know, there's other aspects of it that we think you'd be a great example of. Um and to kind of elaborate on it more, so Club Dad is a essentially a program that takes uh, men from ages 18 and up who may or may not have been a part of the system, who may or may not be fathers, but it helps them with life skills. It helps them, uh, it trains them how to gain, uh, to, how to uh, retain gainful employment, teaches them how to further their education. And to be honest, it also acts as like a giant uh, therapy session. Um, and in many cases, I like to say that I am not just somebody who helps facilitate. I'm an active participant because it is something that I think is very unique. It is something that allows men to get together and sit and have conversations about things that are on every man's mind. Where we don't always feel, feel like it, it, we are, we're in a position or that's comfortable enough to talk with um, our significant others or um, some friends or family members about and everything from relationships to insecurities to any and everything. And it allows us to lay it out on a table in a non-judgmental manner and give each other advice and, um, and kind of show each other the way. Um, and kind of get us into the get get us in a position or train us or not train us but um, help us be more comfortable with expressing ourselves so that we can go back and express ourselves to our family members and our significant others um, and the reason that um, another reason that I think that is important is because once we're able to do that we are able to be um, better spouses or mates or significant others. Um, if there are any ladies listening to this, I need you guys to realize that there's a lot of times where you may feel like a man in your life now or that you've had in the past. I may come across in the future. You feel like he just doesn't get it. He is He's not in touch with your emotions. He is not mentally or emotionally supportive of you. I need you to please realize that off, often enough, it is not because we don't want to. It's because we simply don't know how to. Listen, we are growing up and we are being reared in a society that doesn't that teaches us that we can't even be in touch with our own emotions. What do we know about being supportive to you and yours? We 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 live in a society where, as soon as we're like, we're, you know, what I'm saying we're youngsters, we little boys or whatever, we fall, we could bust our head wide open, and they tell us not to cry. Or we bet not cry. But we always coddle the little girl. Yo, it if it hurt bad enough, it's okay to cry. But we don't teach our little boys that. 
So from 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 programming that that young, we're already teaching teaching males to not be not to, you know what I'm saying to be closed off and not be in touch with themselves, their emotions, and not be able to express emotion. And so over time, you know, we grow up with that program and we become um, pseudo callous individuals, not only towards one another but also you know so also towards our spouses. And so there have been plenty of us who have been in situations where we um, we're sitting in front of a significant other and she is crying and she is pleading with us to open up more and asking, do we love them and this, that, and other. And we look at her with the coldest of stares and say something silly or just very, very quick, like, well, I'm here, ain't I? As if that's supposed to mean something. Without realizing that that means nothing. Because what women know that a lot of, that a lot of men don't know is that, or we haven't figured out that it's just, that is important is, you can be there physically, but be completely absent mentally and emotionally. And that's just, that is, that's just like a, you know what I'm saying, like abuse. That mental and emotional abuse is just as painful as physical abuse. Yet we do it and we don't even know any better. And so and so I say this to tell you ladies, like, be patient with us. We're learning this. We're learning this about ourselves. We're trying to grow. And that's why I love this club dad group. Like we're we're teaching each other to grow. Um, and redefine what, what being a man is, redefine what manhood is, so that we can be better spouses. Um, and a better support system to you. You know what I'm saying? And and we need y'all to just be patient with us there and help us through that process. You know what I'm saying? I've heard some ladies make comments to their girlfriends or whatnot saying something like, girl, you need to get you a man that you can train. You need to get somebody that you can train. You need to be able to mold him. That's garbage. If you were somebody like that, you 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 you're you're not you're not with a mate, you're not with a partner. You train pets. You train puppies. You know what I'm saying? You don't train men. Just like men don't train women. If you want a partner, you don't train them. If you want a partner, you don't live off of them. You don't steer them around. That's a parasitic relationship. You want a symbiotic relationship. A symbiotic relationship is where you both depend on each other and you grow with one another. You support each other. You show each other the way. You are each other's strength when one another is weak. And through that, and through that process, you will there will be failures. There will be times where you mess up. There have been plenty of times where I've messed up and and you know what I'm saying, lacked integrity at, at, at moments when I've should have had, you know what I'm saying, integrity and have hurt people and all sorts of things. Listen, I've been there, done that, and still got, you know, and I'm not just not saying that as if I know everything because I still got a lot to learn. But I'm saying that to just say, ladies, like, keep that in mind. Like, we, we, we you know what I'm saying, like, be there, be there for us, you know what I'm saying, and realize, like, we're not there for you because we just, we simply haven't learned. As simple as it, you may think it is, it is something that has to be learned for us. It is something that has to be learned for us because anything that seems like it is about being sensitive and supportive, we have been taught that that's not what a real man is. And we are slowly learning the hard way, whether it be 
um, um, through positivity or through pain, that that is not the way that that's not the way it goes. Um, as a part of Club Dad, another thing that uh, I am doing uh, along with a, uh, another group of men, um, I am becoming a certified uh, doula and lactation consultant. Yeah, I see that as being part of, you know what I'm saying, being part of my growth as being a man and being a good man. Now, I realize some of you out there may be uh, kind of like raising your eyebrows or whatever, your jaws are dropped. You'd be like, why Why would a grown man want to be a certified birth attendant and lactation consultant? Well, it's simple. If and whenever I'm able to, you know what I'm saying, I'm able to have children, I want to be supportive of my spouse before, you know what I'm saying, before my child is born or children are born, you know what I'm saying, and after that birth, you know what I'm saying, the birth process, when when that when that baby is brought into this world. Um, all too often, men are not present, and that starts with a lot of conditioning and stuff too. Now, I'm not saying that every time a man is absent that it is because he is being conditioned or is because of some insidious outside force or anything like that. That's not the case I'm saying at all, because some of them do it by choice. But what I'm saying is, for a lot of us men, that is the case. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us grew up without fathers in the house or strong male figures in the house. Um, and, 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 and many of you may say, um, well, there are, single, there are plenty of single parents who have raised um, children, Successfully, and that's true. That's very true. There are plenty of mothers and fathers who have raised mother uh, uh, sons and daughters successfully on their own. But please know this: no matter how great a job a mother does, there are some things that she is never going to be able to teach her son that a father is that only a father can do, or if not a father, a strong male figure like a coach, a teacher, a uncle, a grandfather. If you're religious, a pastor. A older brother, a older cousin, something like that. And it goes the other way, too. No matter how great a job a father is, or how great of a job a father does with his daughter, how great of an example he shows himself to be of a man to her, there are some things that a father will never be able to do for his daughter that a, a mother is, is the only person that's going to be able to do that. Or a motherly figure, an aunt, a grandma, a big sister, a teacher, so on and so forth. Part of this doula dad's process is making sure that we are an integral part through that process for our children before and after. Knowing how to be supportive for that, you know what I'm saying, for that, for that spouse, for that mother, you know what I'm saying, mentally and emotionally, you know what I'm saying, why she's carrying that baby. Because she's going through a lot of things, mentally, emotionally, there's some chemical changes going on within her body that she may or may not understand, and we gotta know how to we gotta know how to help her through that. She's gonna react in ways that we've never seen before, and we gotta know how to help her through that. You know what I'm saying? Postpartum, we need to know how to help her through that. We even though we know that it may not have anything to do with us, some of us will still take that those attitudes or that that depression personally. What do we do? How can we redefine and re, re, you know what I'm saying, and grow as men? And what can we learn 
to do to help her through that process, whether we need to be more hands-on with her and be more, more reassuring with her to help her through that, or whether we need to let her figure it out for herself and make sure that we're picking up the slack around the house and with the baby. There may be things that we need, you know what I'm saying, we need to be, you know, knowledge that we need to be privy about and stuff when it comes to breastfeeding. You know what I'm saying? Things we need to look out, need to be able to look out for that maybe she's got so many things to remember. Maybe she simply can't remember. Safe sleep messaging, things that we need to know about. For instance, I learned just recently that you are not supposed to cover your baby with a blanket. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know anything. When a child is cold, especially a baby, the baby can't do enough for itself. You cover the baby up. I learned through some public health nurses that that's not something that you're not supposed to be doing. Once again, I'm not a father, but hey, it's never too late to learn these things. These are different ways that we can be supportive and that we can redefine what our manhood is. You know what I'm saying? We and we and, and, and we can do that through through avenues like that. Um, and being stalwarts in the household, being stalwarts, you know, what I'm saying around, or, or, you know, what I'm saying for our, for, our, for, our, for our sons and daughters, Um they will tell you that um, the best chance for, for success for a child is to have both parents in the house. But all too often, you know what I'm saying, we're put in positions, we're seeing positions where males are alienated from that process and not in the house, whether it be, especially in the black community, we are disproportionately policed and getting, getting all types of jail sentences when we shouldn't be getting them that way. You know, saying especially over nonviolent crimes like drug offenses, when it's it's documented that you know, the, you know, black males and white males is f- from the ages of what is it, twenty to you know, forties or fifties, experiment to use drugs at the exact same rate. But eighty-five percent of the uh, uh, males that are in prison for nonviolent drug offenses are black men or Latinos. That's ridiculous. They're targeting our communities, taking our men out of the homes. And then once they get out of prison, they're forced to, you know what I'm saying, get back into into finding black market currency because they're being they say you're supposed to have a second chance, but they, they don't allow you to get jobs. You know what I'm saying? Or 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 you're you're barely employable. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard. And that's just and that's just real. You know what I'm saying? So there are things that, that are put in place that help ensure that some of these households are one-parent households. You know what I'm saying? They help ensure that some of these households are one-parent households. And then and then in the end, what happens is we, we basically, we send our kids out into the world ill-prepared. America is great. One of the things that America is great at is ill-preparing our kids for life and then sending them out there and then getting mad at them when they fail. It's facts, you know, or we take the childhood that, you know, children's, we take childhoods away from kids and then we get mad when they're in their 20s or 30s and behaving immaturely like children. Anybody who is well-versed in human development will tell you that human beings all have to go through certain stages in life. And if you are not allowing a child to be a child, that childish behavior is going to come out at some point. You better believe that. It's going to come out at some point. 
So if, you know, between the ages of, you know, when they're little or between the ages from 10 to 17, they're unable to watch cartoons and play outside with the rest of their friends. Instead, they're trying to figure out ways of scheme to bring money in the house or get little brother and sister or brothers and sisters up for school, feed them, get them to school, then get them home and kick dinner and stuff like that. They're basically living the life of adults. They're not able to, live, you know, live a, a, a successful childhood. And then we have teachers who deal with these kids in school and they talk to them like children and they are, you know what I'm saying, not versed in what's going on in the home life and not realizing that, yeah, by age they may be children, but their lifestyle is that of an adult. And you talking to them like a kid, of course they're not going to respect you. You want to get, you want them to be receptive to you, then you talk to them like an adult. How many of us can live the same Live successfully than some of these children are when they're younger. And I believe at some point all of this comes back to defining manhood and redefining manhood. Because I think with subtle tweaks and what we define as being men, we can have a huge effect on that. But making sure we're in the home or we're positive figures for these kids and allowing them to, 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 Nurturing that growth in an appropriate manner, like none of these things will occur. None of these things will occur. And it starts with us not sticking to these ridiculous roles and not being involved like we, you know what I'm saying, like we can. You know what I'm saying? For those of us who are who have the ability to do so and are still not doing so or haven't learned how to do so. We got to switch that dynamic up. We have to change that dynamic. Because, you know, our future depends on it. It really does. Our future depends on whether or not we're going to continue to define our roles as men of being this very generic standoff, sometimes there, sometimes not, disciplinary disciplinary figure, or we're going to be there and be involved and be an open and loving figure. Because I'll tell, I'll tell I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm over, of course, I'm kind of rambling on a little bit, and I don't think I said this in the earlier part of the podcast, but one of the ways in which us not opening up um, affects, affects our children is our daughters grow up thinking it's okay to be with a man who does not open, who, who's emotionally unavailable to them. Or our sons grow up thinking that it's okay to be emotionally unavailable, and their sons see that. And so the, the cycle repeats around our boys, and then our boys treat their women the same way that we treated them by being emotionally and mentally unavailable. And we wonder why everybody's family is jacked up. We got to do better. We got to redefine our manhood as not just somebody who provides and protects but that is like one who provides protects who is there who is okay being himself no matter what that may be and sets the example and the tone to his children and his family that it is okay to be yourself whatever that may be nobody else rules for that matter I have a I have a saying about rules that I always um, kind of that I throw out there from time to time, and that is I don't make the rules, I just recite them. I sometimes break them, and I'm always trying to change them. Ask yourself, whose rules are you following 
men, ask yourself, whose rules are you following when you're following these quote-unquote rules or guidelines of what being a man is? Whose rules are you following? Consider the source. Then think maybe why, why were those rules put in place? Do they help you grow mentally or emotionally, or do they stunt your growth? And then after you've asked yourself those questions and really um, reevaluated those things, are you living up to an expectation of what being a good man is, being a whole, complete man is, or are you living up to what somebody else's guidelines for what being a man is? Because I believe being a man is so much more than what society tells us as far as what our responsibility is, what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to behave, the things we're supposed to like to do, all of that. It's all so very much different. And we got to get out of that, especially especially black men, especially black men. Because we live, because to be real with you, we live in a, we live in a world where <clears throat> Structurally, things were put in place to to essentially like decapitate us from the household. I mean, this goes all the way back to to times of slavery when slave master would come into the come into the house, look at the man's daughter, look at the man's wife or whatnot, have his way with her, and the man could do nothing. Or the or the or the and the mother in the house was the only one who had say. The slave master would ignore the man but listen to the woman. Listen to the woman in the slave quarters. That's how the whole myth or whatever of the big mama came across. That's how she became the head of the household. Because she was the only one that could keep everybody alive in the house. The dad couldn't say nothing when the slave master came in there in the quarters. Don't trying to have his way with anybody. Everybody and everybody in the quarters could wind up dead or sold off. So he had to tuck his pride, sit there, let it happen, whatever happened. And the big mama, the mother, the motherly figure, had to make all the decisions and let him know that it was going to be all right and respond to the slave master and this, that, and other. A good friend of mine just sent me a study not too long ago, and it was a long case study that was shown that um, <clears throat> African-American males, no matter what their social standing, they grew up essentially like in the, in the, with, the, with both parents in the house and the same, and, and both, you know, all, with, you know, their parents making just as much money as the parents of his white counterparts, still grew up, grew up in most cases to wind up doing a lot worse than their white counterparts. And before a lot of people try to jump to conclusion and say, especially anybody who's racist who may be listening to this or seen that study, who say, who would jump to the conclusion and say, oh, it's proof that African-American men just aren't as smart or strong or willing as, you know, a, a, a Caucasian men. The one group that did do better, the group who who did not follow that trend were African-American girls. Raised with the same in the same you know social economic class as their white counterparts, they excel just as much. So ask yourself, why is it that all things considered, even 
that the black man is still the one coming down, you know what I'm saying, coming up short. It can't it can't be a genetic thing. It can't be a race thing cuz the sisters is doing do is doing well. Could it be that this thing that we know exists that was put together called structural racism does a great job of suppressing us and conditioning us and sending us subliminal and subconscious messages that we are inferior and that we will always do and do worse or even though we may be consciously know that we are not inferior there are things obstacles put in our way that nobody else has to face that sabotage our standing in the long run now what do we do about that do we take it for what it is and let things be or do we start to change that dynamic do we start to equip ourselves weaponize our minds weaponize our hearts weaponize our brains and change that dynamic do we start to go, do we start to realize that this this that 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 the 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 messages that we are sent about who and what we are supposed to be have been be, have been defined for us so that we can fail and that it's up to us to redefine those so that we can succeed i for one i surely believe that's the case I believe that it's time for us to redefine our manhood, redefine what it is to be a man, start getting rid of those labels, and start growing mentally and emotionally. And with that, we can start to really see things change. We'll be happier individuals. We'll be happy with, happier with ourselves. We can start raising our children better, and we can start being more supportive of our spouses. Um, and for those who don't want to fall in line with you, those quote unquote haters, let it be what it is, man. Hey, embrace those haters. I need y'all to remember that haters hate because they have an immense amount of envy. You know what I'm saying? Haters are people who have an intense desire to be loved. That's all it is. Once you realize that you don't let all that mess get up under your skin. You really don't. You laugh and keep it moving. Make sure they ain't in, you know what I'm saying, they ain't putting you in immediate danger or sabotaging your plans, but you keep it moving. And hope that some way they are able to find it within themselves to get up out of that, what do they call it, the sunken place uh, and grow and grow as well and not stick to these tired labels, this tired, old Neanderthal cooked up, non-productive definition of what a man is and redefining what a man is for themselves. All right? Um, so listen, that was my show for today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this first episode. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I intend to keep doing it again. And uh, Like I said, this was the first one. So I, uh, I really believe things will get better from here on out. I'll get better. So if you didn't like the show... My bad. <laughs> you know, um, it'll get better. And if it doesn't, sorry for you. I'm ex- I-, I enjoy doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? So 
do what you got to do. But um, if for anybody out there that has any uh, requests for things that they want to hear me talk about on this podcast, podcast in the future, any questions they may have, or I don't know, maybe you disagree with something I said or some things that I said, and you want to check me on it. Yo, you can send all of that to me through email at uh, chilltimepod at gmail.com. Um, so once again, send anything that you, you know, any comments, questions, anything to chilltimepod at gmail.com. And uh, start to uh, look for this podcast on uh, Pippa. Going to get it on iTunes, Google Play, all of that. And I'll do my best to uh, keep everybody... Um, abreast uh, of all the comings and goings of, of this, you know, solo podcast journey that I'm on and uh, to uh, all the different platforms that you can listen to me. Um, so once again, thank you. This is a uh, chill time is will time. Um, and I'm out. Take it easy. Where do we belong? Where do we come from?